0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. If you are a regular listener, hey, buddy, glad you're here. And if you are new to the show, hi, I'm Elizabeth. I am a self proclaimed fat loss enthusiast, and I personally have lost eh, somewhere between 100 and 140 pounds. After yo-yo dieting for most of my life and studying nutrition and biochemistry in college and working in the dietary supplement industry and the healthcare industry as an obese woman, I kind of realized that most of what we try to do in the weight loss realm is wrong. And there is, in fact, a simpler way. And that's kind of what I do here with this passion project of mine known as the Primal Potential Podcast. I'm all about simplifying, helping you cut through all of the junk, and getting in the trenches with you to help you reach your goals, and we're going to do some of that today. I am probably going to ruffle some feathers today, and I'm okay with that because I feel strongly about the topic we're going to tackle, and it is related to something I get emails almost every single day about in one way, shape, or form, people who are struggling in their minds, not as much because of themselves, but as a result of the people in their lives. Whether it is kids bringing home treats, or unsupportive spouses or partners, or friends who insist on going out to eat and drink, we all have a collection of those kinds of people in our lives. But there's also this other group of people, and I want to talk about both of these things, there's another group of people and they want to know how can I motivate or inspire my spouse, my sister, my kids, my whatever to improve their lives, and their health. And so what I want to spend our time today to do is really look at those most common issues and challenges related to friends and family and go through some of the examples, some of the questions and concerns I get most frequently, either from you guys via email or on social media or within my Fat Loss Fast Track group or with my one-on-one clients. I want to kind of kick things off with what I think is a very powerful quote from Teddy Roosevelt that kind of sums up today's episode. If you could kick the person in the pants responsible for most of your trouble, you wouldn't sit for a month. If you could kick the person in the pants responsible for most of your trouble, you wouldn't sit. For a month. So oftentimes we kind of look at other people, but as we go through the examples today, there's a thought that I want you to carry with you. Am I taking personal responsibility? Am I passing blame onto others for choices only I can make? And remember, and I know I say this all the time, the quality of our lives and the degree of our success are linked to the quality of the questions we ask ourselves and the honesty with which we answer. So if you find yourself thinking, no, 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 I'm not passing the blame. My husband really is holding me back or my friends really do make this hard. Is that true? Does someone else's words or actions actually make it more likely that the cupcake ends in your mouth? Or... Is that just how you kind of make yourself feel better about the choice by pinning your own personal responsibility on somebody else? Just saying. I think you kind of get where we're going here. (laughs) But here is the awesome potential in that kind of thinking. When you have these negative limiting thought patterns that are based on what other people are doing or not doing... You are putting unnecessary roadblocks in your path, but when you stop with these negative or limiting thought patterns related to what other people are doing or not doing, you stop putting these road roadblocks, these barriers along the path to your success. And the way we blame others, it takes up precious energy that we need along our own journey. So when we let go of that, we free ourselves to be able to use that energy for more productive things. So let's dive into some specific examples, some specific situations or circumstances. One of the most common concerns I hear is related to social pressures. Dinners out, happy hours, girls' nights, whatever social things you have going on. And oftentimes it comes with the question, how do I explain to my friends that I'm trying to make healthier choices without sounding preachy, right? Without making it sound like I'm pushing my choices on them. And my response, almost without exception, is you don't. You don't explain it. Because What you order or don't order, what you eat or you don't eat, isn't anybody else's business. But we sort of kind of pretend or tell ourselves that we have to have some justification. No, you don't, right? I mean, now if somebody says to you, hey, you look amazing, what have you been doing? Or if they say, oh, you're not drinking, I really should cut back too. What are you doing? Then they have asked you. And they have requested to know more about what you're doing and why. That's your opening if you want an opening. Otherwise, your choices have absolutely zero to do with anything or anyone else. And and here's the thing. When you say something like, uh, even, even with the biggest smile on your face, when you say something like, oh, no bread for me, I'm trying to eat more healthy, right? Guess what? Even with your biggest smile, even with your gentlest voice, what you just not so subtly implied is that if they choose to eat the bread, they aren't healthy, right? And nobody wants to feel that way. Whether they have weight to lose or not, the implied judgment, nobody wants it, right? So even when you make it all about you and your goals, it's not necessary, It's just not necessary for you to say anything at all. Think about it for a second. If you go out to a bar with your friend and your friend orders a diet soda instead of a cocktail, do you expect an explanation? Of course not. Of course not. Right? And some people will come back to me and say things like, yeah, but then my friends are like, oh, you're no fun. It's Friday. Come on. Live a little. Cut yourself some slack. It's the weekend. Guess what? Those conversations only survive, they only happen if you engage in them. The debate about should you or shouldn't you or why you do or why you don't, cutting yourself some slack for a night or not, those conversations require multiple people engaging in it, right? Your friends can't get into a debate with you about your food choices if you don't debate it. One of the things I've been known to say, and I've shared this before, it's just with a smile if somebody says, "Oh, come on, have a piece of bread." I'll just and I don't say this like in a in a rude way in any in any way shape or form, but just you do you, I'll do me. That's it. Choose not to engage. See, we engage and then we feel overwhelmed by the conversation. We offer all of these explanations because we feel like we need to justify and then we've created this debate. It starts with us, right? Let's just set the standard of a social circle where nobody has to justify what they eat or they don't eat, what they drink or what they don't drink. It only becomes a thing, a conversation, a topic if you engage in it, right? And maybe you have made it a thing by discussing it so often or complaining about your weight for so long that they'll bring it up because you've taught them to. Great. So now you have an opportunity to change the conversation by no longer engaging in it. You're doing what you're doing, and that's it. No explanation necessary, right? But what if your issue is more along the lines of fear of missing out or FOMO, right? All of your friends are enjoying amazing food and drinks, and you don't want to miss out. So in episode 94, and I'll link to it in the show notes over at primalpotential.com, episode 94 is all about fear of missing out right? But I think it's worth touching on here in this episode because Fear of Missing Out is related to the social situations, the friends and the family. One of my favorite quotes about Fear of Missing Out is from the author who I know I've mentioned before, Brene Brown. And I'm going to read you what she says about Fear of Missing Out. It's from her book, Rising Strong. It says, The fear of missing out also called FOMO, right? The fear of missing out is what happens when scarcity slams into shame. Fear of missing out lures us out of our integrity with whispers about what we could or should be doing. FOMO's favorite weapon is comparison. It kills gratitude and replaces it with not enough. We answer FOMO's call by saying yes when we mean no. We abandon our path and our boundaries and those precious adventures that hold meaning for us so that we can prove we aren't missing out. But we are. We are missing out on our own lives. Every time we say yes because we're afraid of missing out, we say no to something that something may be a big dream or a short nap. We need both. Courage to stay our course and gratitude for our path will keep us grounded and guide us home." So this brings up a really important kind of perspective, and that is when you say yes and you mean no, you're saying no to something, right? When you say yes to overindulging, What are you saying no to, right? And I get it. Overindulging can be fun. It can feel good. You're letting go. You're giving in. But how do you feel after, right? What are you saying no to when you say yes to that behavior? Now, of course, it goes without saying. I mean, we have to get real a little bit. If you're going out with your friends and going all in on the experience, on the food and the drinks and whatever else, if that's happening once a month, then relax it's not a big rock you're not overweight because of what you eat once per month you know but if it's happening more regularly are those indulgences worth what you're giving up for them are they giving are they worth what you're giving up what you really really want right? Is that worth it to you, that future that you want, that control, that confidence, a body that you're proud of, feeling more in control of your life than food is in control of you, is it worth it? And the other thing to consider is why do you spend this time with your friends? What do you get out of it? What is it about that time that you really love? Challenge yourself to change your perspective. What is in it for you other than food? And don't forget to think about the benefits of not indulging. They are there. Maybe you're just in the routine of seeing the negative or in the routine of thinking in terms of fear of missing out that you just aren't practiced in seeing the other benefits. But maybe you don't like the way you feel after a night when you drink too much or you eat too much, right? Maybe you feel so much better when you pick something that you're going to feel great about later. Maybe you really love to see your body change and that is more thrilling to you than the bread basket or the third drink. Maybe you love having energy the next day or experimenting with new to you, healthier foods, right? You can go to a restaurant and not get pizza and pasta and not get dessert. The other thing that I really want to make sure to hit home on here is that progress does not require perfection. So in these social situations, what represents an improvement for you? If you're normally having four drinks, then two represents an improvement. If you normally do appetizers and an entree and dessert, then picking appetizer or dessert represents an improvement for you. So you don't have to go into these seeking perfection, but what represents progress for you. So that one was pretty easy and straightforward. The next one that I want to talk about is more challenging. The unsupportive spouse or partner. Maybe you really want to make healthier choices, but your spouse or your partner doesn't want to change how they eat. Or maybe your partner is teasing you about your weight and your dieting past, like, oh, here we go, another yo-yo, right? And you might be surprised by my first thoughts on this, and that's okay. And I've been here, so I know. I think that in many cases, this is based on my own experience and working with clients and seeing this be true over and over and over again. Oftentimes, our partner's negativity about change is a mirror of our own negativity about change. If every time you decide you're going to get healthy or eat cleaner, you start complaining and being miserable, hello, hello, They're just mirroring that back to you. If you're always complaining about how hungry you are or how badly you want a bite of their ice cream or a sip of their wine or how, no, you can't go out on a date because you're on a diet, of course they resent the progress or the process. Of course they aren't excited about it. And it's not just because of how it impacts them, but because of how miserable you are to be around. And I say that with a lot of love, but it's really true. It just kind of sucks to be around somebody who's always saying things like, oh my God, I'd die for a cheeseburger, or I look so fat, I'm disgusting, I don't know how I let myself get this far. No, we can't go out on Friday, I won't be able to resist the breadbasket. No, don't you dare bring chocolate or pizza into this house, absolutely not. And, you know, sometimes, even though we have great intentions, we turn into the food police your attempt to get healthy comes across as judgmental or negative about what they're doing. So, of course, they resent the fact that while you're trying to improve your habits, they feel like they're not allowed to have ice cream after dinner. And I think we'd all feel pretty negative about this. So there's another option. You could decide, because we are in control of our attitude and our choices, you could decide to be positive and enthusiastic about the changes you are making and not force your changes on anybody else, because we are only in charge of us. Now, parenting is a little bit different, but I'm talking about relationships, right? Relationships with our spouses or our partners. Are you bringing the negativity to the situation? Are you constantly complaining? Are you directly or indirectly judging them for what they are eating or not eating? Own your part. Spend more time looking inward at what you are doing and why than outward on what they are doing and why. Because we have far more control than it's often pleasant to admit. There's a... Confucius quote that says, attack the evil that is within yourself rather than attacking the evil that is in others. And, you know, it's not about the word evil per se, but we spend so much time pointing out other people's behaviors and how they impact us or how they're so lackluster. Just focus on you. What if you were an absolute joy to be around and raving about the process and feeling so full of energy and feeling really excited and proud of yourself, right? I mean, that's a totally different scenario than being miserable and talking about how uncomfortable it is and how they're not allowed to do anything and how they need to clean up with their like. No, 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 no. Now, What do you do when your spouse or your partner is bringing stuff into the house that tempts you? Because we don't want to say like, sorry, Charlie, you're not allowed to bring X, Y, and Z into the house, right? Because we're not the food police, and that's a really awful way to make anybody feel loved and cared for. So when they bring that stuff into the house that represents a temptation to you, consider it an amazing opportunity to practice. Do not blame them. They are giving you the opportunity to build a skill that you absolutely must have. Now, it's not to say that you can't ask for their support, right? You certainly can. But there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And if your spouse really loves their you know, glass of wine after dinner, then it's not really fair to expect them not to have that because it represents a temptation to you. See, life is not life in the biggest loser ranch, nor should it be. We have to face temptation. We have to teach ourselves moderation. To reach and maintain our goals, we have to be able to develop that control and that ability to say, no, thank you, not tonight, right? We have to learn these skills. And so, your sweet, loving partner is giving you a really great opportunity to practice just that. It's okay. The presence of the cupcakes or the wine in the house doesn't put them in your mouth. You do. You do. You've got this. Radical responsibility for your actions, right? Now, another challenge that comes up is, you know, I'm preparing the meals and they don't want broccoli. They don't want cabbage. They don't want Brussels sprouts, right? That's okay. That's okay. You know, some some situations... There, not every situation are you the sole person, you know, responsible for all of the meal prep, but sometimes you are, and that's not going to change. And I know it can be frustrating, but if they don't eat the vegetables, more for you. Now, it's a little more complicated than that, but this is typically an issue at dinner time, right? Let's say your spouse or your partner refuses to eat the Brussels sprouts, the broccoli, the cauliflower rice. That's fine. That's not the only element of the meal you can make one meal and just eat different ratios of what is available based on what you want. Let's say, for example, that for dinner, you make steak and broccoli and potato and all of your partner is willing to eat is the steak and potato. Fantastic. Great. No big deal. You enjoy the steak and the broccoli and a bit of the potato. Or let's say you make bacon wrapped chicken tenders with mashed cauliflower and they won't go near mashed cauliflower no big deal, right? Maybe you have rice from the night before where you did a stir fry and they had the rice and you didn't. So give them some rice instead of some mashed cauliflower and you both can enjoy the bacon wrapped chicken, right? Or the the stir fry example is a great one. You have the veggies and meat part of the stir fry and they have the rice or you have some of the rice and they have more than you do, Right? This is true also for kids. The meal can be the same, and the ratios you consume can be different. Because of your goals, you're heavy on the veggies, moderate on the protein, light on the carbs. It's fine if their ratios look totally different, right? And one word about kids, that's a whole other topic here, but kids are going to crave and want what you feed them. You teach your kids what to eat Based on what you make available to them, why is macaroni and cheese the only thing they'll eat? Um, maybe it has something to do with the fact that you repeatedly give it to them, right? The victim mindset of like everybody else is making this harder for me. It It reduces our own personal responsibility. And it's not until we accept personal responsibility for what goes into our mouth and what comes out of our mouth in terms of our words and our thoughts or our lack of complaining, when we take personal responsibility, we can do anything. Now, there's one other thing, and this is kind of a hot button for me. I really want to address it here. And it's the questions like, Hey, Elizabeth, how can I motivate my husband to eat more healthy? How can I motivate my wife to want to take better care of her health or my sister to lose some weight? You can't. I'm going to say that again. You can't. You shouldn't. You don't. It's not your job. Stay in your own lane. It is not your job to motivate another person. It is not your job to convince somebody else to change the way they eat. It is not your job to get somebody to take control of their health. Your job is to live your best life. And the only thing that ever has hope of making anybody else want to change is you being a positive example in your own life. Not information you send them, not pep talks, not accountability, nada. It is not your place to motivate somebody else to change. There is power in being a happy, glowing example of how wonderful it can be to care for your own health. But it is not your place. The best thing you can do is love them more exactly where they are. When they're ready, they're ready. You cannot make them ready. It is not your place to make them ready. And you risk alienation. You risk making them feel judged. And like they're not enough just as they are. When you're happy and energetic and confident and positive and healthy, People, if they want that, they'll go after that. And if they don't want it, then they're not there yet. And sometimes our best intentions, it doesn't matter how great your heart is to want to help them. It is judgmental to come across as, hey, you need to do something better with your life or with your health. The only place that that motivation can come from is within. The only place that motivation can come from is within. When you are judgmental or pushy or bringing a sense of nutritional or health superiority, guess what? You won't connect with anybody. You won't, right? I mean, if I go out to eat, and obviously people know my story is out there and, and I have the podcast, it's what I do for a living, right? If I go out to eat and people are eating bread and pasta and dessert, so what? That's their business. And I, and I don't even think to myself, oh geez, if only they knew better. No, that's fine. It's food and it's none of my business. If I order fish and fish a salad while everybody else is eating bread and pasta and somebody asks me why, I'm like, cause I like it cause it's good, right? Do I have family members who aren't healthy? Yes. Do I have family members who are overweight? Absolutely. Is that any of my business? Nope, it is not. Do I love them? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that it's my job to make them want to change because it's not. Because it's not. Because it's my job to stay in my own lane. And if by my example, they come to me and say, hey, I'd love your help and support, then I will give my help and support. But it is not my job to motivate anybody. And it doesn't mean that I don't love them. It means that I love them so much that I respect their journey. And I will never, ever, ever push what I believe to be the right thing for my body onto them because I know what that's like. I've been on the receiving end of that. And the only thing it feels like is judgment. Because it is. Even if it's judgment coming from a place of love, it's judgment, right? And I know people will say, well, what if I have a kid? Parenting is different because as a parent, you do control, for the most part, the food that comes into the house, the food that you make uh, available to your children, right? But you can't control what they eat when they're at a friend's house. And I don't think you should. And I don't think that you should encourage them to lose weight either, even as a kid, because it comes across a judgment. I think if you set the example of being healthy, of being well, of being positive, of being strong, right? And you make good, healthy foods available to them and you give them opportunities to be active, that is the best you can do. It is. It is the best you can do. And whenever we come across as food police or judgment, you know, my mom used to send me these sweet letters, like when I was a kid living at home. And sometimes it was like for graduation or, you know, just like on occasions you give your kid a card, I guess. I still have a lot of them. And she loves me to death. But these cards would be like, you're smart and you're talented and you're this and you're that. Imagine what you could be if you would just dot, 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 right? It was out of love that she had me on diets at a young age. It was out of love that she did all of these things, but it, it, <laughs> you can't. You cannot make somebody want to take care of their health. When it comes to the spouse, the partner, the sibling, the friend, stay out of it. Live your best life and stay out of it. And when it comes to the kids, you set the positive example. You don't talk about things like being so fat or disgusting or dieting or this. You look at food as what it is, delicious and having the ability to make us feel amazing or feel kind of lousy, right? And you want your kids to eat foods that make them feel amazing, not foods that make them feel lousy. That's not about being fat or being thin. It's about using food for what it is. It's a tool that can help us feel really, really amazing and confident and energetic and happy, or kind of like, bleh, right? Like, blah, I don't really want to do much. I overeat. And we want to focus on food in that way. So the kid topic is for another day. As it relates to spouses, partners, siblings, friends, parents, It's none of your business. You can love them and you can pray for them and you can set a wonderful example and love them exactly where they are, how they are, for what they're doing now. Stay in your own lane. I feel really, really strongly about that. We have personal responsibility for our choices and zero responsibility for other people's choices. That's how I feel about it anyway. Let's wrap up my little soapbox moment with what I ate yesterday. I had rotisserie chicken for breakfast yesterday. (laughs) I had like a baggie of rotisserie chicken and I woke up hungry and was like, "Mm, chicken. So I had chicken and coffee for breakfast and then I had some deviled eggs uh, mid-morning Later in the day, I had my typical cabbage bowl that's raw cabbage with avocado, some walnuts, some bacon. And then dinner was Brussels sprouts sauteed with walnuts. I'm on a walnut kick, clearly. And more chicken. So chicken for breakfast, chicken for dinner, chicken, chicken, chicken. So anyway, guys, my message here is stay in your own lane. Be an example. Nobody else is responsible for what you put in your mouth. And you are not responsible for what anybody else puts in theirs, except when you're a parent, because you control the food that comes in the house. Anyway, we'll talk to you guys soon. I hope you have a wonderful day.